for the Sundays through the month of September, I'm going to be preaching a series of sermons through the Old Testament book of Jonah. This is something that I have never endeavored to do. I have preached sermons about Jonah, from Jonah, but I have never actually spent time, either in Bible study or in preaching, publicly teaching from the book of Jonah. And uh, that's not a good thing, because as I have read and meditated on and studied uh, the book of Jonah for the past several weeks, I have come to understand that this is a very, very important book. Not to say that any book of the Bible is more important than another, or more inspired than another, but as I look around me today, as I read the news and ponder what life is like for people of faith in 2020, I see so much in Jonah today. It led me to start looking for books about Jonah. And I landed upon one little jewel that has become a friend in recent weeks. It was written by Tim Keller. And it's called The Prodigal Prophet. In the introduction to that book, one of the things that Keller says is that during his time as a pastor, he has actually preached through the book of Jonah three different times. Once as pastor of a rural congregation in North Carolina. The second time as the pastor of a church that had been planted among young adults in Manhattan. And the third time, most recently, as pastor of one of the larger churches in Manhattan. And he said each and every time that he has preached through the book of Jonah, there are new themes and new ideas that have emerged, but one thing has been consistent. In every instance, there were people who came to speak with him either during or after the conclusion of the series that said spending time learning and applying the message of Jonah had been one of the most significant things that they had done in their Christian life. Now I'm not raising those levels of expectation for us. 
God will do what God will do. But the message of Jonah is very, very important. So I want to introduce very, very briefly this prophet and then talk about what happens in chapter 1 of Jonah. One of the things that comes to our minds whenever we think of the prophet Jonah is the big fish that swallowed him up. Recently, over the last couple of weeks, uh, one of the uh, Christian television stations or networks uh, that's available online has been uh, streaming the video of the presentation from the Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania of the story of Jonah. And some of you, maybe many of you, have been there to see that in person. Everyone who has been has talked about how impressive it is as it uh, in the theater or on the screen, it makes it appear as if you're actually underwater and this huge fish comes in in the midst of the auditorium. And the idea of someone being swallowed by a fish when I was a kid, we used to talk about Jonah and the whale. And then I heard people arguing back and forth about whether or not a whale could swallow a person, or whether or not there was any fish that could swallow a person, or how a person could survive for three days in the belly of a fish. Well, those are all really interesting things to bandy about when you've got nothing better to talk about. But, first of all, the fact of the matter is that God created the universe, can create any kind of creature to do anything that he wants it to do. And so the idea that it would be impossible for a fish to swallow a person or a person to live inside the belly of a fish? Well, that's just a ridiculous question. That's like saying, is it possible for God to create human beings that are able to live on the face of the earth? Is it possible for God to create a planet where everything happens exactly right? so that we can live. Of course it's possible. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, in the entire book of Jonah, the fish is only mentioned in three verses. And Jonah encompasses four chapters. So it's not an important part of the story. So whether you're disappointed or not, we're not going to be telling any fish stories over the next four weeks. But we have a lot to learn. Jonah was a prophet in Israel. 
basically destroyed by the Assyrians. Other than the book that bears his name, there are two other places in the scripture, actually in three different books of the Bible, where Jonah is mentioned. The first of those is in 2 Kings chapter 14. Jonah is kind of tucked in in the story of one of Israel's most wicked kings. So you would think that if Jonah was a prophet and was prophesying during the reign of one of Israel's most wicked kings, that he, like Amos or Isaiah or Jeremiah, would be speaking out against the evil that was being committed by the king. But listen to what 2 Kings says. In the fifteenth year of Judah's king Amaziah, son of Joash, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned forty-one years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. He restored Israel's border from Lebo Hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, that he had spoken through his servant, the prophet Jonah, son of Amittai, from Gath-Ephraim. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter for both slaves and free people. There was no one to help Israel. The Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he delivered them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. So even though Jeroboam was one of the most evil kings to ever rule over Israel, and this is actually Jeroboam the second, uh, Jeroboam, the descendant of Jeroboam. Uh, Jonah did not prophesy judgment. In fact, uh, Jonah was on the king's side, and he was prophesying positive things. So in all likelihood, he was a prophet who was identify with the king. Now that doesn't mean he was a false prophet, it just means that he was very closely related to the king. The other place in the Bible where we see Jonah mentioned are in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 12 and chapter 16, Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah. How Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, 
and that same sign would be granted to people with regard to the Son of Man. He would be in the depths of the earth for three days. He also speaks of Jonah and lifting up Nineveh as a judge over the Jews. He said, the people of Nineveh will rise up in judgment over you because when they heard the word of the Lord through the prophet Jonah, they repented. And he said, now someone greater than Jonah is here with you and you have refused. It's also mentioned in Luke chapter 11, but it is in that very same context as you see it in Matthew. So that's all we have about Jonah in the Bible, except for this amazing book. So today, as we look at the first chapter of Jonah, we're going to see the amazing crisis that Jonah finds himself in and how Jonah ultimately causes the crisis and then responds to the crisis. And as we look at this chapter, I want us to accept the invitation from God's Word to learn the kind of questions that we need to ask ourselves in a time of crisis, whether it be in a time of personal crisis or in a time of crisis in society, which is something I believe is very much a reality today. So here's what the scripture says in Jonah chapter 1, and I'll just tell you right now, we're going to leave off with the 17th verse because it really goes better with chapter 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind into the sea, and such a great storm rose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. <clears throat> then they said to him, Tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country? And what people are you from? He answered them, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea 
and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? The sea was getting worse and worse. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will be calm for you. For I know that I am blamed for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. So the men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Jonah found himself in a time of crisis. And the crisis began before the storm ever rose up on the ocean. His first crisis was a crisis of faith. It was a crisis of definition as he defined himself, his relationship with God, his relationship with the world. In order to understand the crisis that Jonah was experiencing, even before he got on the ship, we have to understand some things about Jonah. And this is wrapped up in the very first question you ask yourself in the midst of a crisis. And that question is, how did I really get here? Not what's happened, why am I struggling, how did I really get here? Jonah found himself in a ship in a storm and later on thrown into the sea, a real crisis because of who he had allowed himself to become. If we want to define who Jonah was, there are three words that all begin with the letter P that give us a good picture of Jonah. The first of those, which we would automatically come up with, is that Jonah was a prophet. The scriptures tell us that Jonah was a prophet. He did deliver the word of the Lord, and that's what prophets do. And so whether you look in 2 Kings 14 or in the book of Jonah, from the very beginning, God tells Jonah in some instances what to say. And so Jonah was a prophet. That meant that he had a, a specific and special relationship with God. But in a 
addition to that, he was also a patriot. He was a man who was deeply devoted to Israel. In the midst of the storm, as the captain of the ship came and got Jonah, as the sailors on the ship identified Jonah as the source of their trouble, as all the conversation on the ship was about every man crying out to his God. When they asked Jonah who he was, he talked about his citizenship before he talked about his call. He didn't say, I am a worshiper, a follower of Jehovah, the God who created the heavens and the earth. He eventually said that, but that's not where he started. He started by saying, I am a Hebrew. He identified himself by his national origin before he identified himself by his spiritual origin. He was a prophet to be sure, but he was also a patriot with regard to his country. And there is evidence in the first chapter that his patriotism was possibly of greater value and importance to him than his role as a prophet of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I see evidences of this just about every day these days. People, especially in the realms of the Christian church who identify themselves with parties and causes and candidates more than they do with Christ. Everyone wants to know who evangelical leaders are going to support for President of the United States in this election year. What we need to have are evangelical leaders who are more interested in proclaiming the gospel of Christ than they are in talking about candidates and causes. Jonah was a patriot, and that's not a bad thing. But if that's the main way he identified himself, then that's a problem. Because you see, his patriotism led to the third thing that was characteristic of Jonah. He was not only a prophet and a patriot, but Jonah was a partisan. All of us know what partisan means. We hear about partisan politics and, and about how everything is so partisan and so divisive and all these other kinds of things. 
When I think about being a partisan, that doesn't mean that you believe one philosophy or another. It means if you are a partisan, that that is taken over your thinking to the point where you define everything in terms of partisanship. And you see those who agree with you as your friends and those who disagree with you as the enemy. Jonah was a partisan. He identified himself as a Hebrew before he identified himself as a follower of Jehovah. And as a Hebrew, he hated those who were the enemies of the Hebrews. That was why he was running and going to Tarshish. why he was really in the crisis. It was because he hated the Assyrians so badly that he was willing to disobey God directly in order to keep from offering even a hint of hope to the enemies of Israel. That's how he really got into his mess. He put other things and other feelings before God. It happens a whole lot today, not just in the realms of politics. Whenever we put anything before God, we set ourselves up for trouble. I was going through my library the other day. I'm trying to call some things out and create some space, and that's a very difficult thing for me to do. Parting with books is a challenge. But I started looking at some of the books that I have on my shelves and immediately found books by four popular Christian authors of the last 20 years whose lives and ministries have been destroyed by scandal. In those days, they were the greatest things since sliced bread. Now, not so much. It's what happens in our lives when other things, other ideas, become more important in our relationship with God. So when we're in the midst of a crisis, we need to ask ourselves, how did I really get here? Not what were the circumstances, what was the situation? What is it within me that created the atmosphere in which I could wind up in a crisis? The second question that's important to answer is, am I the solution or am I the problem? As a prophet of God, Jonah was called by God to be one who 
delivered the word of the Lord, to be one who offered God's direction, God's perspective on the life of human beings. But in this particular situation, Jonah was not the solution, he was the problem. Think about it for a moment. Jonah is on, in a boat on the Mediterranean Sea. There's a horrible storm thrashing the boat about, threatening to kill everybody on there. All the sailors, those rough and rugged men from different cultures, worshiping all kinds of pagan gods, you would think that the fury of God would be lashing out at those who were pagan. But no, it was the one who worshipped Jehovah who was the source of the problem. And so when we find ourselves in crises, it's important for us to ask, am I the solution or am I the problem? In the crises that are gripping our society today, there are several instances where we could look at the church and say, rather than at this moment being the source of help and direction, we're the problem rather than the solution. We have to be honest about that. If you're in a crisis in a relationship, it's easy to blame other people, to point our finger away from ourselves. But the question to ask ourselves is, first, how did I really get here? And then, am I the solution or am I the problem? And the answers to those two questions then lead us to the third question, and that is, how can I bring healing and calm? In the midst of the crisis, how can I bring healing and calm? Jonah identified why he was really in his situation. It was because he had run away from the Lord. He had put other things in a higher priority, feelings, ideas, philosophies, in a higher priority than the calling of God. He also realized that he was not the solution at that moment, he was a problem. He told the sailors, I've run away from God, and this is the reason for the storm. I am the source of your problem. And once he honestly confronted those, he knew what the answer was. How to bring calm in the midst of a crisis situation. He said, throw me overboard. The sailors didn't want to do it. That would be the last thing a sailor would want to do would be to cause another human being to perish in the sea. So they tried as hard as they could to row in the other direction, but that didn't work. Jonah said, this is the solution. This will bring about calm and healing. And sure enough, as soon as he was cast into the sea, the sea became calm. 
there are aspects of our life today that echo so much of this story. So much so that I think we can honestly say that whether it has to do with the COVID-19 pandemic, dealing with violence, finding answers to racism that seems to be so persistent in relationships between groups of people in this country. Looking at the church that is finding it so difficult to find that, to figure out what we really stand for. There are all kinds of ways that we can define the crisis. But at this crisis time, we are called by God to be the source of healing and calm. And the only way that happens is we ask ourselves the tough questions. How did I really get here? Am I the problem? Or am I the solution? When we answer those questions in our lives as individuals, in our lives as a church, in our culture as a nation, then we find the pathway to healing and call. It's a shame that while Jonah found it here, didn't hang on to it. May God grant us the wisdom to hold on to the answers to the difficult questions and give us the blessing of being the source of healing and calm in our life, in our relationships, and in our Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the depth of the riches of your word. And for all the new ways, over and over and over again, you speak to us. Help us in the life and example of Jonah. how you would have us to live faithfully to the world in which you've called us to live. Help us with the crisis of these days to ask ourselves the right questions, the difficult questions, and to take the answers that you give us by your Spirit and apply that truth that we might be the peacemakers and the hope bearers that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.